I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Christopher Pacheco, now that baseball is back in our lives officially, the MLB, the MLB Players Association, they have all agreed to terms. Everyone's heading to, uh, I guess, summer training now. It's no longer. It's no longer spring training. We are marching towards a baseball season. The season is going to be 60 games long. All of these rosters are going to be expanded. So teams that have a lot of depth, teams that have uh, you know, some interesting young players, those guys are going to get more playing time Pacheco are we are we excited are we feeling great about the return of baseball we're definitely excited about the return of baseball I I just hope it actually happens uh Davis this time around uh it's I'm I'm just grateful that both the MLB and the MLBPA finally reach an agreement uh on this stuff uh and they have every intent to play baseball of course you know the the one looming question is will will COVID-19 uh, allow them because it seems like this stuff is just getting out of control uh, every day. But if everything holds uh, and we get baseball back in our lives, of course, it's going to be great. So what we are doing on the show this week is we are doing team by team, division by division previews the same way that we were doing our NFL shows. We got some good news. So we switched it up midstream heading back to baseball. Yesterday, we did the AL Central on the show, running through uh, my favorite team, the Kansas City Royals, the Indians, the Twins, the White Sox, and the Tigers. Pacheco is a Boston Red Sox fan, so we're just going to switch it over nice and easy to the AL East, featuring some of the best teams in baseball, Pacheco. Um, I actually think the shortened season is going to be a big boon to the Red Sox in this division. I think the Rays were a much deeper team. I think the Yankees are a more talented team. But, you know, I, I think the fact that uh, they're able to shorten down their pitching rotation a little bit, you know, I think one of the things we could see as a result of these shortened seasons is more bullpen games. And, you know, I think that would probably be a plus for the Boston Red Sox. They have a, a pretty strong bullpen. They don't have a ton of high-end starters so that is definitely going to be a problem are you feeling optimistic or pessimistic about your boston red sox right now so i'm in agreement with you that in a 60 game season i think the offense uh could certainly carry them uh for the, sure the big stuff that happened over the offseason for the red sox uh well two very meaningful things one mookie bets uh got traded and they got alex verdugo and a few prospects 
uh, in return. Alex Verdugo was not going to be ready for opening day. Uh, but now, because of, of the COVID-19 situation, which gave them months to prepare in advance, uh, he's going to be ready for opening day 2.0. So that's really big news for the Red Sox. The other thing that happened over the offseason is Chris Sale is not going to pitch this season uh, at all. So he had Tommy John surgery, and he's going to be in rehabbing mode uh, throughout the entire season as the Red Sox play their games. That is a very, very meaningful thing for the Red Sox because behind Sale, there's no longer David Price. He's a member of the yep. Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, so really the only you know ace that the Red Sox have is Eduardo Rodriguez. And then behind Rodriguez, it's just a bunch of no names. Uh, they did sign Colin McHugh. Uh, to a minor league contract, I think he's going to make uh, the team because they just they really don't For have sure. much of of starting pitching, uh, like quality starting pitchers. You know, maybe McHugh uh, could get back to to who he once was, but I don't really feel great about it given the fact that he's going to pitch in Fenway Park and against all these ALEs teams. So, you know, to your point, Davis, I think. Uh, bullpen games might might be a thing, uh, might be more of a thing for the Red Sox this year. It's not that they have a great bullpen, but the, you know they have a good enough bullpen. I mean, they have they, they have work. some guys, right? Like they, they have, have some guys. They have a bunch of guys who are projected for low four ERAs, pretty good for guys coming out of the pen. Colin McHugh probably yeah. starts the season as a long reliever. Brandon Workman. Pretty solid closer. Matt Barnes, pretty solid setup. Man, so, you know, they they have some guys. I think the clear strength of this team starts in their, at the top of the lineup, though. Andrew Benintendi um, projected, actually, wow, even here on Fangraphs, we have updated projections for the 60-game seasons. Benintendi uh, projected for a 349 on base, six home runs, five stolen bases. Um, I And, you know, Benintendi kind of gets a bad rap because he's not a huge power guy not a huge steals guy, so fantasy players don't like him that much. But, you know, Ben uh, Intendi, in terms of a, of a leadoff guy, you know, you feel pretty good about him as a Red Sox fan. I think you have to. Oh, absolutely. Um, I feel great about Ben Intendi at the top of the lineup. Uh, and that's the thing. Even with Mookie Betts gone, I think this offense still has plenty of talent uh, still remaining. Uh, even Alex Verdugo, I, I really don't think it's it's too bad of a get. I think the, the problem with that was that he was hurt, uh, and people thought that you know it could derail his career because it was a back injury. So we'll, we'll see what type of, of version we get of Alex Verdugo, but he was once a, a really highly touted prospect uh, out of Los Angeles. So I'm, I'm excited to see him in the Red Sox, but we still have Rafael Devers, who broke out in a big way last year, way. Yeah. Uh, and he's really, really young still. So I think uh, more of that uh, is is yet to come. Uh, we still have J.D. Martinez, um, you know, Michael Chavis, who had a great season last year as a rookie, I think could step up once again. Uh, Xander Bogarts is still a part of the team. So from an offensive standpoint, Davis, I think uh, this team is, is still going to pack a punch. Uh, I think uh, pitching-wise, I think it's going to be a struggle, even though uh, the season got shortened. Yeah, so uh, they have J.D. Martinez, who is projected to be about the 18th, 19th, 20th best uh DH outfielder type in um, in in baseball. His projection right now is for him to get 241 plate appearances, 14 home runs, uh, 297 batting average, 372 OBP is his zips projection right now. Mm -hmm. um, I, I again, I think in a way, this season is going to be beneficial to players like JD Martinez, like Mitch Moreland, who are over the age of 30. Because it's just they're just gonna have less opportunities to get injured. You know, any like if if at the end of the year in a 162 game season, JD Martinez played 100 games. You know, maybe maybe he didn't get injured until three months into the season. Well, we're not even gonna have that much baseball. So it would not surprise me to see some older players have really strong seasons, Pacheco, just mm -hmm. because they their equivalent of a full season wasn't actually a full baseball season on their body. So I think that J.D. Martinez, Mitch Moreland, 4-5 spot against um, right-handed pitching is going to be huge for the Red Sox. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, J.D. Martinez is one of the best hitters in the entire planet. Very consistent hitter. Uh, he's hit over 300 batting average for now four straight seasons. And if you don't like batting average, which I, I actually don't, uh, he's generated a WOBA above 370 
uh, in like six consecutive seasons now. This dude is an absolute animal, and the move for him to the AL East uh, has has really paid off dividends. But it, it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't really matter where he hits. He's just going to be a quality hitter uh, regardless of, of where he's hitting. So uh, I think he's going to have a, a great season as well. And I think, you know, with Rafael Devers really stepping up, uh, like he did last year, um, given his age, you know, he's he's under 24 years old. Uh, I, it's it's kind of scary because of the numbers that he put up last year. I think it's possible that at some point we see, you know, even bigger numbers out of him. Obviously, in a condensed season, that's just not going to happen. Uh, but I, I think w- with Devers, you could probably expect, you know, somewhere uh, around 15 home runs uh, as well. So, Again, Davis, this this Red Sox lineup is is not going to be an easy one, uh, especially especially against uh, right-handed pitching. I expect them to do really well. Yeah, and uh, I think the secret weapon to make them, you know, sort of undefeatable against right-handed pitching could very well be Alex Verdugo. Last season, 377 plate appearances, 12 home runs, four stolen bases, 341 weighted on-base average. And, you know, obviously Red Sox fans hated to see Mookie Betts go, you know, one of the best players they've had of the last 20 years, you know, pretty much their best hitter since David Ortiz's peak. And... You know, I don't think it's crazy to say that Alex Verdugo's, you know, 90th percentile outcomes are very similar to what Betts was able to give the Red Sox. I mean, this is a guy who had, uh, you know, a 55 grade raw power, 45 grade speed power, basically is a a five tool player, about as five tool as a guy can get. And, you know, he bats from the left side of the plate, which is a huge advantage in, uh, in the Red Sox park in, in Fenway because of that short wall out there and right. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be big. Like I, I think a very good season coming for Alex Verdugo. Yeah. So the biggest thing with Verdugo was the the back injury. I think yeah. once you heard back injury, people started to get really freaked out. Um, but given what he has said, he, he said uh, that he feels a hundred percent. So I think that if the back injury uh, is behind him and, and we really see we really see the five tool Alex Verdugo, um, I, I think the Red Sox are going to benefit because they, they ultimately if they weren't going to pay bets, they needed to trade them. So the, they ended up trading them for, for what they felt was the best package, which included Alex Verdugo. I, I mean, I personally, I didn't love to trade Davis, but with Verdugo now healthy, that certainly changes the equation. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think that it does. Okay, digging into their pitching rotation a little bit, not pretty. Um, Eddie Rodriguez projected for a 4.22 ERA. Nate Eovaldi, a 4.58 ERA. Martin Perez, a uh, guy I, I for a long time have not enjoyed watching play, 4.80. Ryan Weber, 4.75. Non-roster invitee Brian Johnson with a 5.47. This is the weakness of the 2020 Red Sox. Now, maybe you say, okay, maybe we are able to get something out of Colin McHugh. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe there is, I and you know, we don't know exactly how teams are going to be treating the trade market this year, but it's possible that uh, a team with a really good offense might be more aggressive in the trade market uh, for starting pitching than usual. But, you know, it might be it might be hard for us to trade for starting pitchers, Pacheco, because so many teams are going to think that they are drawing live for the playoffs. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be just a, a huge change overall. So, you know, it, it's not great for the pitchers there. No, it's it's certainly not. I, I'm mostly in agreement with you there. And I think as much as you said, you know, that maybe Colin McHugh steps up to the plate. Well, I'll tell you what, if Nathan Eovaldi doesn't do anything this year for the Red Sox, they are cooked, uh, especially when you're talking about, uh, you know, a, a, like like a postseason run. They're get, you need pitching. Uh, and Eovaldi was one of their premier pitchers in 2018 where he had, you know, a marvelous season with an ERA under four, a case per nine above eight. Um, you know, can that be repeated again? We'll see. But last year was really brutal for Eovaldi. He posted an ERA uh, c- closer to the sixes, had a great case per nine, but we, he's really going to have to step up uh, in order for the Red Sox to contend. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're able to get something out of Dustin Pedroia. Probably not. Maybe they're able to have some of their prospects come up. They do have Jonathan Lucroy and Juan Centeno on their uh, minor league roster. Maybe those guys are able to give them some at-bats this year. We are going to go ahead and head into break here in our MLB division-by-division, team-by-team preview. When we get back, we are going to be discussing the Toronto Blue Jays and their roster 
for fantasy and gambling purposes in 2020. See you guys on the other side of break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. They ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3 0. In a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Christopher Pacheco as we continue our team-by-team, division-by-division preview of Major League Baseball. We had just been doing this for football, but with the news that baseball came back, we thought it would be, you know, right at just a, about a good time to remind everyone that uh, baseball is happening. You know, we kind of refresh everyone's memory for, for the league, and today we are going through the AL East, which means that uh, we got to talk about Pacheco's boy, the Boston Red Sox, but now we are heading into the Toronto Blue Jays. Sneakily, Pacheco, I mean, this team... They, I actually think if I had to make like an underdog bet for who hit the most home runs of mm-hmm. any team over this 60 game season, I might actually bet on the Blue Jays. I mean, they have power one through nine. You know, you even go look at their at their bench bats, Rowdy Tellez, Brandon Drury, Jonathan Davis. These are all dudes who have uh, some home runs in their bat. Uh, I think I think the Blue Jays can can win this division. You know, I I think that they could. Th- their problem is starting pitching, actually, much like the Boston Red Sox. But what a terrible division! I mean, four really really good teams, and then the Baltimore Orioles. It's uh, it's tough for them to compete. 
Yeah, certainly. So uh, I think this year more than ever, Davis, uh, there's going to be some chaos uh, in, in chaos, the MLB, yeah. right? Uh, which we had spoken about that uh, in the NHL because of the the way that they have set up their Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, maybe you should start thinking about some some you know underdogs potentially winning it all. I'm not sure that the Blue Jays can you know win it all, but when you start to, when you start to look at the lineup, um, you start to get really excited about things. So uh, right now I'm looking at the FanDuel sportsbook and I see them as you know plus ten thousand. Uh, to win the World Series, I, 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 this, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an awful bet. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I, it. I really don't. Um, if if you're rooting for chaos, uh, I still think the most likely scenario is that the New York Yankees win this, this division. They have the bats and they have the pitching. I think they're going to win it. Uh, but maybe the the Blue Jays can make some noise as a wild card team, and I, I think they can. Um, thing is, these hitters are really really young, right? Um, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero uh, Jr., Lourdes Gurriel, uh, Kevon Biggio. These are all guys that, that project to be, you know, strong hitters. Uh, the, the question is, you know, can they do it in their age, like 22, 23 season, uh, right. and catapult this lineup over the top? That's a really big question, and and it's they don't deserve that type of pressure. But, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., honestly, last year, I thought he underperformed. Uh, I think we could see, you know, home run per fly ball rate out of this guy flirting with like 15 to 20 percent. Last year, we saw 12 percent. So he only hit 15 home runs and and over 500 plate appearances. Uh, I think he has the potential uh, to be one of, you know, one of the better hitters uh, in the game. Uh, So the Blue Jays last year, Davis, were already exciting. you know, who's to say they're not going to be more exciting in year two out of a lot of these prospects. Uh, I certainly am, am very excited to watch this lineup day in, day out. Yeah, I, I am too. And I think that um, in terms of long shot bets, I'm more going to be using my long shot bets on teams that have really strong upside on the hitting side as opposed to pitching mm-hmm. because I think pitching over 60 games it's just very hard like it's just going to be extremely hard to predict like who is going to have these upside pitching seasons mm-hmm. but for the for the Blue Jays specifically there's going to be correlated upside in their hitting because like it's it's almost sort of like a parlay that Bobichet, Kevon Biggio, Vlad Jr., Toscar hand uh to Oscar Hernandez and Derek Fisher, like kind of all are simultaneously having great seasons because these are the ages of their starting lineup, their projected lineup against right-handed pitching. They have one guy over the age of 30. That's Travis Shaw, uh, who probably is not even going to be an everyday player. I would imagine that Brandon Drury is going to platoon with him a good bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe we even see Rowdy Tellez playing first base instead of just backing up catcher, which I, I think is probably a positive expectation decision for them. Um, you know, so between Bichette, Biggio and Vlad, which one do you like the most for uh, for like fantasy and 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 uh, betting purposes? Like, do you have do you have a, a favorite of those three guys? Oh man, that's tough. I think um, ultimately, the guy with uh, both double digit home run and double digit stolen base upside consistently is going to be Bo Bichette. So if you're into and if you're into events, he's the one that brings that to the table in a consistent way. Uh, I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. has the potential to hit a lot of home runs. Uh, at some point in, in his career, he's he's really going to be a very talented uh, power hitter. Um, perhaps it doesn't happen right away, as we saw last year. That wasn't the case. Uh, but I think Bichette, uh, you know, over 162 uh, games has like 20-20 potential. No doubt about it. So I, I think he's, he's easily one of the more exciting uh, pieces of this offense. But... Uh, you know, Davis, Luders Gurriel Jr. is is often not talked about with with a lot of these young guys. For sure, yeah. Because he's not 22, 23. He's about to enter his 27. And, and he's not the son of a former major leaguer. Like that's a that's right. such a that's such a true thing about Bichette, Biggio, and Guerrero. Is people yeah. all remember their dads? You know, people remember Craig Biggio, Dante Bichette. Obviously, people remember Vlad and Luders Gurriel Jr. Is you know he's just a year older than Kevon Biggio and 
Last season, he had a 358 weighted on base average, 124 weighted runs created plus, 20 home runs and six deals and 343 plate appearances. Like he was, uh, you know, he was a, a very solid player for them last year. In fact, one of their more consistent players. And uh, yeah, I mean, Lourdes Goriel Jr. should get more hype for sure. So he hit 20 home runs in 84 games last year uh, yep. because he got hurt. Uh, this guy, uh, I think projection systems are kind of having a hard time uh, with them, and it's because they're expecting regression because the, that season that he had last year, it's just tough for it to happen again, you know? Well, he's entering age 27, which means he should be entering his prime year. Uh, and if we were talking, you know, over a 160-game sample, um, this is a guy that could flirt potentially with 30 home runs, and I, I think projection systems would not project that. But I think the upside for him would start to enter that equation because he's entering his prime year. Uh, he's arguably, because I, I, all these hitters are getting all this this hype, I think he's arguably the best hitter out of all these young guys. And he doesn't yeah. get talked about enough. Yeah, and, you know, I, I mean... I do think depth is going to come in play because I, I haven't seen a schedule come out for this yet. I don't think we have one, but, you know, really would not surprise me if there are a lot of double headers and stuff. And, you know, the bench for this Blue Jays team really is pretty solid. You know, a bunch of good major leaguers here. Rowdy Tallis, Joe Panic, Brandon Jury, Jonathan Davis. You know, these guys are, are all solid. roughly league average players. Um where, where they run into problems is they, they don't really have an ace. So I, I think the one thing you could argue is uh, Hunjun Ryu has been an ace before. Mm -hmm. Like, he has given ace-level stats. It's just that he has not been allowed to pitch enough innings. He's never gotten to 200 innings. Actually, the last time he threw 200 innings, Pacheco, do you know, do you know when it was? Uh, I, I know what it was. It was with uh, the Hanwha Eagles of the it KBO. It was, in fact, with the Hanwha Eagles and the KBO. In 2007, he threw for 211 innings, had a 2.94 ERA. Uh, and basically what happened with the Dodgers is they kind of just always treated him with kid gloves. In fact, he's only uh, last season was only the second time he got over 152 innings pitched as a member of the Dodgers. Uh, he is like a super elite control guy. He never walks anyone, you know, doesn't have a crazy K rate or anything mm -hmm. like that. No. So one, you know, I think that pitching in the American League is a little bit harder, but that's also true for everyone this year because the NL is going to, we're going to have a universal designated hitter this year. So mm -hmm. even if he was still pitching for the Dodgers, this would have been something that projection systems would have had to account for in projecting him. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to be a backer for the Toronto Blue Jays, I think one of the things you would for sure think is, well, Ryu has to have a great season. He's got to be one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball probably because after him in the pitching rotation for the Blue Jays, uh, things get rough. You know, Chase Anderson, Tanner Rourke, Matt Shoemaker, Trent Thornton are their, uh, their, their uh, two through five. And I got to be honest, I don't think highly of any of those guys. I think they are all pretty much below average major league baseball pitchers. Well, I, I, so I'm, I'm mostly in agreement with you there, but I think they're like through to five, honestly, might be better than the Red Sox two through five, which, which is uh, not great news uh, if, if you're a Red Sox fan. But uh, so with Hunjin Ryu Davis, you kind of hit it pretty perfectly there. Uh, the one thing that you left off uh, too is that he's a lefty pitching in the AL East, uh, which is just brutal. I mean, imagine having to face the Yankees uh, as a lefty uh, and as a lefty that just doesn't miss bats, uh, which is the biggest reason why. Uh, if you if you're looking at Hunjin Ryu's ERA and then his projected ERA for this year. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense. It, over the last couple of seasons, actually, you can expand it over the last three seasons, uh, he's had ERAs of 3.77, 1.97, and 2.32. This year, his projected ERA, uh, most projection systems are calling for an ERA closer to the fours. 
Uh, and that's because he's having to pitch in a, likely the, the most difficult division uh, in, in all of baseball when it comes to facing all these elite offenses. And it's because he doesn't miss bats. So he's, he's a quality pitcher, but you're right. If they're going to make a lot of noise, they're going to need a bunch of really great starts out of Ryu. Um, it's, we'll see. Um, you know, Maybe this year the offense is the biggest thing, uh, and I think their offense can certainly carry them just like the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I definitely think um, I definitely think that's true. Now they do have some good arms in their bullpen. They have uh, Ken Giles, who is you know one of the best closers in baseball for sure. Um, Sam Gaviglio was not a good starter, but is you know a, a pretty good bullpen arm. Uh, Thomas Pannone, same thing. Jacob Wagsback, same thing. You know, I think that's kind of the that's kind of how we are thinking about things is just, you know, some of these guys are good out of the bullpen, not going to be great, uh, you know, actual starting pitchers. But Nate Pearson, the number eighth overall prospect in baseball, I mean, Nate Pearson could really change things for this organization if he comes up right away, Pacheco. Yeah, certainly. Um, he could change things in, in, a, in a really big way. Um Thing is, I, I don't know what to think about these guys uh, this year, Davis, because of the fact that um, the season is going to be, you know, significantly condensed. Uh, I, I don't know how big of an impact uh, these, you know, highly touted prospects uh, are going to have off the get-go. I'm not sure how many games, like, I don't know if how many games are they going to be playing uh, before they even get called up. Like, everything is just kind of uh, under turmoil uh, this season because of COVID-19. So, uh, we will see, but Pearson could certainly change the equation for them because uh, he was, you know, a quality pitcher uh, at the uh, at the minor league level. So we'll see if he gets called up. It could make a really big difference for them. Yeah, it definitely could. So everyone, we are going to continue our preview of the AL East on the other side of the break. Going to go to the division leader, New York Yankees, on the other side of break. See you guys in just a few minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search. 
to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call him Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after 3 0. We never win a chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Christopher Pacheco. We are pursuing our team by team, division by division preview for baseball instead of football here on the Daily Roto Hour. And uh, Pacheco, we are now at the best team in the. Uh, we're now at the best team in the division. The New York Yankees, they are uh, they are very good, right? They're just there's no way around looking around the AL East and being like, well, they're they're weak here, they're weak there because uh, this team just really they really don't have a weakness anywhere. Uh, no, they, they they certainly do not. Uh, they are plus four hundred uh, on FanDuel Sportsbook uh, to win the World Series. That's the second highest favorite. Uh, the, only the Los Angeles Dodgers are ahead of the Yankees as far as uh, the odds to win the World Series uh, this season. The weakness, uh, Davis, uh, was supposed to be uh, their health. Both Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stan were not going to be ready uh, for opening day. Uh, and neither was James Paxton. I mean, they had a lot of injuries uh, for opening day 1.0. Well, COVID-19 uh, had its, its, its own schedule. Uh, and so now the Yankees uh, are going to be pretty much fully healthy um, on opening day 2.0. Both Aaron Judge and Jen Constantin, uh, I believe, are, are going to be in the lineup uh, come day one, um, which is really scary. Uh, for for everyone uh, in the league, because you know, what if the Yankees finally get you know a healthy Giancarlo Stan? They they certainly just don't seem like that they can ever have him healthy. Uh, same thing with Judge last year; he got hurt. Um, they're they're going to need these guys to be healthy in in order to make a you know a legitimate postseason run. Yeah, I, I certainly think that's true. So we should take a look at their lineup. Well, I guess first off, this is a great way to start because if there is a weakness for the Yankees, it would be you don't believe in DJ LeMahieu. You think that his season in 2019 where he absolutely tore the cover off the ball was you know, maybe a little bit of an aberration. Uh, 375 weighted on base average. It was only the second time in his career he was above league average in weighted runs created plus. Are you a, are you a believer in DJ LeMahieu or not? So I am a I am a believer in some of what DJ LeMahieu did last year, but what I can guarantee you, uh, Davis, pretty much willing to bet on it, is that his home run per fly ball rate is unlikely to be at like twenty percent, which is where it was last year. Uh, last year it was a nineteen point three percent, which is clearly uh, his highest. Uh, in all the years that he's played baseball, and he has, I believe, seven seasons uh, under his belt. I realize that he's, you know, in, in Yankee Stadium, but before he was with the Rockies. Uh, and Colorado is like the best hitting environment in all of baseball by far. So um, I think what LeMahieu did from a power perspective uh, is unsustainable. And that's a big reason why you see most projection systems uh, over 162 game uh, sample uh, projecting him to hit under 20 home runs. I believe that's the correct thing to do with LeMahieu. Uh, even then, I still think he's a quality hitter. Uh, and even then, Davis, if you don't believe what LeMahieu did is sustainable at all, the Yankees offense is just too deep. 
for this to matter too much. So uh, I think LeMahieu is is likely going to have a fine season. I don't expect it to be anywhere near where it was uh, in 2019. Yeah, I you know I I think that is I think that is probably fair. Another advantage here though I think for the Yankees is Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton have had time to just sit back and get healthy both of them were kind of minorly dinged up when we thought spring training was going to start but as of right now Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton both who are projected to hit 14 or more home runs in this shortened season both Mm -hmm. of these guys seem like they are just good to go both of them seem good to go and um I, I you know I think We'll see what what Stan can do. Um, obviously, they 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 traded for him, gave him that massive contract. Uh, he really has underperformed relative to expectations in New York, uh, and and so they they're certainly needing him to to pick it up. Um, we'll see how much he can do. But even then, Davis, that's the thing with this Yankees lineup. Even when you start thinking, okay, well, maybe this guy doesn't uh, doesn't replicate what he did last year. Maybe this guy just doesn't live up to who he once was. Do you know about this guy, Glaber Torres, who's 23 uh, yeah. years old? That guy, pretty good. But that guy's pretty good. Twenty. He was 22 when he hit almost 40 home runs uh, at the major league level. And you know he was, like, hitting, like, eighth when all these guys were healthy, doubt that's going to happen anymore. Uh, This guy looks like a perennial superstar. Uh, He's entering his, his, you know, year 23 season. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what to say about him. He just looked phenomenal last year. And I think when you have a, a guy hitting almost 40 home runs when he's 22, like what's the, what's the upside? I, I think it's unlimited. Yeah, I, I think Glaber Torres has pretty much unlimited upside. And, uh, you know, how about that Gary Sanchez fella? He uh, He's not a very good defensive catcher, but last season, 34 home runs, 18 home runs in, in 89 games the year before, 33 home runs in 2017, has had a weighted on-base average for his career of 354, weighted runs created a plus of 123. And, you know, that's coming from their pitcher spot or coming from their catcher spot and many teams just don't have that luxury for catchers no typically you don't have a catcher that has 30 home run upside that seems impossible and yet you know here we are sitting talking about the yankees and they have uh they have a catcher that has you know 30 home run upside over over a full course of a season um and that's why i think it's scary to to think about what if stan can return to who he once was. Uh, this lineup didn't even need him last year, Davis. And so that that's where I think the Yankees uh, have all the upside in the world because they don't really need like huge seasons out of these superstars. And if they get it, um, they're, they're probably just going to run run shot, like rough shot uh, out of the, the, the American, not just the AL East, but the American League uh, in general. Yeah, uh, I, and I totally think I think running rough shot is definitely possible because you know look at the look at the bottom half of their lineup. You know we have Luke Voigt, very good platoon first baseman. Aaron Hicks, uh, you know likely is going to take over for Brett Gardner. We would imagine it sometime. And then I mean Clint Frazier and Mike Talkman are starting outfielders on pretty much every other team in this division. Maybe maybe not the Rays, but Mike Ford, you know, good first baseman. Uh, Miguel Anduar is a very good replacement level infielder. I mean, this team has an embarrassment of riches for hitting. Miguel Andujar, before he got hurt last year, um, he hit 27 home runs and almost drove in 100 runs uh, in over 600 plate appearances in 2018. And then you're telling me this is a guy that's going to come off the bench for them. I mean, it's just it's kind of it's just kind of absurd um, because when we're talking about bench players for other teams, you know, we're we're simply talking about mostly um, you know fringe, potentially fringe major leaguers. You know, guys that can that can get called down, you know, optioned down to the minors. Um, whereas the Yankees have like starters in their bench. It's just and so that's why what last year when some of these guys got hurt. All of a sudden, they just kept plugging in guys and plugging in guys, and they kept getting you know good performances out of them because these guys are legitimate major leaguers. And so, no matter how you talk about the Yankees lineup, uh, whether it's you know Stan, Judge, Voigt, Sanchez, it's always going to be some sort of powerful you know above league average hitter that we're talking about, and that's why they project to do so well. 
For sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, unlike the Blue Jays and some of, and the Twins, you know, these teams with a lot of power bats, uh, things don't fall apart when you get to the starting rotation for them. Garrett Cole, pretty much the best pitcher in baseball. And then you'd be like, okay, well, maybe it gets weaker after there. Tanaka, mega ceiling. James Paxton, James Paxton, mega ceiling. J.A. Happ, you know, turned himself into a really good pitcher when he got to the Yankees. Now, you know, there are a lot of theories on how he did that, but, you know, it, it is definitely true. And then look at the bullpen. Adam Ottavino, Araldis Chapman, Tommy Canely, Chad Green. Like, these are these are all super elite. I mean, they have, Pacheco, they have five guys in their bullpen projected for better than league average ERAs. Like, it's just, it, it seems almost not even fair how good this Yankees team is. No, and that's why, you know, that's why you heard so much chatter about them just getting a, like a legitimate number one uh, type of pitcher to to kind of just bolster their rotation. Because if they did that, then they would become unstoppable. And so then this offseason, they went out there and, and got Garrett Cole. You know, it's just, <laughs> Davis, it's, it's, it's really not fair because I don't even think they, they necessarily uh, needed him because their offense could carry them if they're healthy. But now they got Garrett Cole. Uh, they, they still have Tanaka, who I don't think he has a massive ceiling, but I think, you know, he's, he's a fine, like, number three. Uh, I think Paxson is the one because he strikes out so many batters that if he can stay healthy, that's a guy that has, you know, a, a monster ceiling. I think J.A. Happ is a, a serviceable pitcher, doesn't have monster upside, but they don't need him to have monster upside. Uh, Luis Severino is not going to pitch this season. Uh, Domingo right. Herman, uh, who is another talented pitcher of theirs, I believe he's going to be serving a suspension for a long time. So I don't think we're going to see him much uh, this season, if at all. But again, just the New York Yankees don't need these type of pitchers because they're so loaded everywhere. Yeah, and you know, I guess we should we should dig a little bit into Tanaka, who has been a great pitcher before. You know, his first couple years in Major League Baseball: two seventy seven ERA, three fifty one, three oh seven, uh, four seventy four in twenty seventeen. Then another, you know, a pretty good year in two oh two in twenty eighteen. Not a great season for him last year. His K rate fell down to, you know, about seven per nine innings. And, and you know, granted, his walks weren't as bad. Are you, uh, are you a Tanaka guy or are you out on him? Uh, depends on what we're talking about. Uh, if we're talking about uh, Tanaka, uh, an ace, uh, I'm probably out on that conversation because I, I don't think that he is uh, an ace. I don't, I don't think he has a repertoire. I don't think he has the velocity. Uh, to really be an ace, ace type of pitcher. If we're talking Tanaka, the above league average pitcher, I'm 100% uh, in on that conversation. Even last year, uh, where he had you know more of a down season, I thought that was that was mostly fine. Uh, you know, a K rate around 20%. Uh, the ERA was above, um, uh, like, like it was starting to get close to four and a half. That's where you start to run into issues. He, he will need to tone that down a little bit. Um, but you know, more than not, Davis, I think Tanaka uh, is a good pitcher. It, it, I think the conversation, uh, you start to have a conversation about whether he's a great pitcher uh, because I, I don't think you know he's like a 25, 26% K rate uh, guy moving forward. Yeah. Um, so, Everin, we're going to go ahead and head into our final break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we come back, we are going to talk Rays, and we'll, we'll talk about the Orioles for just a little bit, even if they don't deserve that much airtime. So see you guys with some final ALEs chat on the other side of our break in a few moments. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. Psh. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. Uh, I want to see what this thing looks like. 
Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top the Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Christopher Pacheco. We're doing our team-by-team, division-by-division breakdown of Major League Baseball, because baseball is back in our lives. Uh, In our final segment here of the AL East, we're going to run through the Orioles real quick, then head over to the Tampa Bay Rays. I think a team that Pacheco and I both see some upside with. You know, I mean, I guess the nicest thing I can say about the Orioles is, you know, Renato Nunez seems like a good player. Seems like he will, he'll hit some home runs. Uh, Austin Hayes, uh, young guy he will probably have a little bit of power speed upside. Has not played very much in Major League Baseball. 75 plate appearances last year, four home runs, two stolen bases. Zips has him projected for 21 home runs and nine stolen bases over a full season in 120 games. Um, but yeah, the Orioles, the Orioles are worse than the Royals. They're worse than the Tigers. They are straight up not a good team. No, they're not a good team, and it's it. You know, Davis, it's just really hard to to do a full rebuild in baseball and like just go from one of the worst teams in baseball one year to you know a contender the next year. It's really difficult, and uh, the Orioles are just not in that position uh, this year. Uh, this year, they're once again going to be one of the the worst teams in all of baseball. Uh, my guess for them is they continue to tank, continue to to get good good prospects, um, and and that way maybe they can turn it around. But, you know, typically they don't spend a lot of money uh, on free agents, so uh, they're going to have to, they're going to have to get some of these guys, uh, you know, in the draft and hopefully it pans out for them. But, uh, you know, one of their guys used to be Chris Davis, but now he's not one of their guys anymore. He's still with the team. Uh, but now we're talking about Chris Davis, the 34-year-old, uh, and so it's just it's just not the same, right? This this once used to be a guy that had 40, 50 home run upside. You'll be lucky if you get 20 home runs out of him at this point in his career. So uh, the Orioles, they're still in full rebuild mode. Yeah, they are. Uh, they, they, it doesn't get any better with the pitching staff, by the way. John Means. Alex Cobb, Asher Wojianowski, Wade LeBlanc, Cole Stewart. Uh, These are definitely going to be guys, Pacheco, that we are 
targeting. You know, we're going to get, we're going to, the Yankees stacks against Orioles pitchers, just pretty mm-hmm. much write that down as one of the, uh, like those guys are going to be super chalk and they're going to hit so many home runs against the Orioles this year. Just so many home runs. Yeah. So John Means, uh, who's like, uh, they're, they're young I guess younger. He made the all-star prospect. team for them because every team has to have an all-star representative. Right. So he's he's actually 27. So he's not actually that young, uh, and he's a lefty pitching in the American League East, and it's also a lefty uh, that in his first season posted a case per nine of seven. So <laughs> you know, it's even their best guys, Davis, uh, are, are just are just not great, um, and and that includes John Means. He. You know, he he completely overperformed last year. Uh, the expectation is this year for him to to regress heavily uh, to the mean. It, it, you know, stinks for the Orioles, but they just they really don't have uh, much in the way of pitching, and they really don't have many talented offensive players either. So that's all you're getting. If you're an Orioles fan and you're watching this, we're sorry, but you know, mm-hmm. spending another five minutes talking about Anthony Santander, who is the number three hitter for the Orioles. It's not It's not something we are particularly interested in doing. So heading to the Tampa Bay Rays, an actual interesting team, a team that uses openers. You know, that's a big part of their strategy. But, you know, just so many talented guys. They're, they're one through nine, Brandon Lowe, Austin Meadows, Yandy Diaz, uh, a platoon of G-Man Choi and Nate Lowe. Hunter Renfro brought in this offseason. Uh, Yoshitsumo Sutsugo is uh, over from the Nippon League, which is the highest professional league in Japan, is beloved by projection systems here in Major League Baseball. Willie Adamas will be keeping the shortstop seat warm for Wander Franco. Wouldn't actually surprise me given the rules uh, for Major League Baseball this year with expanded rosters if Wander Franco is just the day one starting shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays. Kevin Kiermeyer going to be in a rotation in center field with Manuel Margot. I actually think Margot is the way better player, certainly the higher upside player at this point. And then my boy, Mike Zanino, all power, nothing else. Home runs and strikeouts is all that guy is going to give you. I mean, this is an attractive starting lineup. It is an attractive starting lineup. Um, it's also a starting lineup that that gets, you know, outside of their home games, uh, pretty much every other ballpark in the American League East uh, is a good one uh, for hitting, except, of course, their, their home ballpark because it's a dome and, and it just it's it's very difficult uh, for them to generate power in that ballpark. Uh, but, you know, the Rays sneakily, Davis, had a, a pretty good offseason. Uh, I, I think a, a name that a lot of people aren't talking about, uh, uh, of course, of the Rays is, is Hunter Renfro. Um, this is a guy that's entering his, his uh, year 28 uh, season, so he, he's 28 right now, um, coming off a season in which he hit 33 home runs. Uh, and at the MLB level, uh, outside of his first year in which he, he only had 36 plate appearances, uh, he hasn't hit fewer than 26 home runs in all, in all these seasons. So um, I, I think this is a guy that over the course of a full season – uh, has the upside of, of tapping into the 40s. Um, but will it happen this year? Of course not, because it's it's a condensed season. But I think he has that upside uh, in him when you're talking like 90th percent upside, uh, percentile upside. Uh, so I, I, I really like Hunter Renfro, like Mike Zanino, though, right? Uh, this is a guy that's that's not going to do much of, of anything else other than hit for, for a lot of power. Uh, but now that he's in the AL East, I think he's going to be a big threat. Yeah, and uh, you know, Sutsugo, uh, a sort of interesting player. I, I kind of, I always love when uh, I, I just always find it fascinating when guys come over from other leagues into professional baseball. Guy was just absolutely crushing it in the Nippon League. Made All Star there five times. Led his league in home runs. Led his league in RBIs. Uh, has won the, you know, basically made the the. Uh, Japan League's version of, you know, the, the gold glove or the silver slugger for his position on multiple occasions. Uh, kind of kind of an interesting ad for the Rays because generally you would think in terms of spending on free agents, you really would not think of the Rays as a team interested in doing that. And, you know, they spent a good amount. Uh, they spent a good amount of 
money signing him onto the roster, but only, you know, only a two year, $12 million contract, but they, you know, they, they had to sign the, the posting fee. Uh, do you know anything about Sutsugo? So, um, I, I had him watch him play um, overseas. That's really the, the only sample that, that we have from him. And it, and it was a, a good sample. I think the interesting part, Davis, is, is right off the get-go, uh, all of these projection systems are, are thinking that this hitter is going to be at least league average and have upside beyond that. Uh, and so most of these projection systems are projecting an ISO above 200 uh, in a weighted on-base average right around 330 or 340. Uh, and this is just for, for his first year uh, at the major league level. He is 28, so he's he's not exactly, you know, young. Um, but I, I think this is, it looks like he's going to be a quality hitter. Uh, so they add another quality hitter to a, an already quality, uh, quality lineup. Um, I think things are, are certainly looking up for the Rays uh, offensively, but I think when you start to 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 really see the upside for the Rays, uh, Davis is on the pitching. And I realized uh, what you said earlier. You know, maybe this is a year that because it's only sixty games uh, for the regular season, maybe we should be talking more about offense as well. I think teams that have this caliber of pitching are going to have a leg up on the competition. And what I mean by that is. They have, uh, you know, a one through three of Blake Snell, Charlie Morin, and Tyler Glass now. So, I mean, all these guys, uh, one through three, project to be well above league average uh, pitchers. And I think Glass now, uh, Davis, if we continue to see him uh, improve, he could easily be one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but that he is could, his though. upside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think. Uh... If the Rays get there, it's definitely going to be as a result of upside hitting. So, you know, that means that Blake Snell has a great year. It means that Glass now, you know, really approaches the next level. And, you know, I think uh, something people are forgetting is the Rays have a, a combo hitting and pitching prospect, which is, I mean, this is literally my favorite thing in baseball. You know, Shohei Atani mm -hmm. and uh, Lowe for... Uh, low for the Rays. I mean, I, I, I just, I love dudes who can hit and pitch. And uh, now granted, it's not gonna, it's not gonna matter this year at all. But uh, well, I guess it matters a little bit because you can carry less dudes, but that doesn't matter this year. I just, I just find it interesting. Yeah. And I think uh, as you can see with, with these guys starting to uh, emerge a little bit more in baseball, it, I don't know who, who knows, maybe 10 years down the line, this becomes uh, uh, more of a norm. Now we have a couple, but who's to say, you know, down the line, uh, we can't have more in the league. I, I think that I think teams are, are interested more in, in that type of player because they can kind of do it all uh, right. Uh, we'll, we'll see what type of impact that has this year. But obviously, uh, with someone of the caliber of Shohei Otani, uh, that could change your franchise. Yeah, yeah, no, it really can. It can totally change the way things go. I think if we were going to point out some of the, by the way, I meant Brandon McKay, not not Nate Lowe. That's, uh, I, I mixed that up, so just <laughs> so okay. no one gets mad at me. Um, I, I think the, the weaknesses you could point out for them would be Yanni Chirinos and Ryan Yarborough are pretty middle of the pack, fourth and fifth starters. You know, Glass now has had injury issues. Um, I never like really good pitchers being left-handed just because it's so easy for them to get tagged up in the case of Snell. Charlie Morton, 36 years old, you know, just there, there again, you know, as guys get older, there is some more risk there. But I, I am really talking myself into this team just as a whole. I mean, Manuel Margot, Jose Martinez, Nate Lowe, sitting here on the bench for the Rays. I mean, they, like, again, I, th I think this division is way more up in the air than the odds suggest. I know that we just talked about how amazing the Yankees are, but there are other amazing teams in this division. No doubt about it. And I, and to your point for, uh, with Charlie Morin, that he's, you know, he's, he's 36 years old, which is a really good point. Thing with Morin is he was a, a real late bloomer uh, at the MLB level, which is, you know, it's, it's not, you don't always hear about these type of guys uh, kind of coming up and doing this, but he's still like last year, he had a, a case per nine above 11 Davis. Like this guy, uh, is a, a very good uh, pitcher. And I think for the Rays, the biggest thing is, can their one through three stay healthy in the rotation? Because 
I agree with you. Four and five is an issue, but they, they can easily piece that together with a bullpen game, and they have the depth to do that. So that's going to be the main question for them. Can the pitching stay healthy? Because if it does, then they're going to have a really good season. Yeah, I think that's true. So everyone, uh, thank you very much for listening and watching to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV today. You just watched a division preview for the AL East team by team. Sorry if you are an Orioles fan, you didn't get very much chatter, but the next time you see us, we will continue this discussion with yet another Major League Baseball division. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. Psh. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pot? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? 
We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.